Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Conversation in New Jersey Education. This is a school audition. I'm Ray Penny. I'll be your host for NJSBA's program on this. Uh, this is a special edition. We'll be talking about the, the Janus decision by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, if you want to participate and ask a question, you can do two avenues. One, you can dial 1-347-989-8904. one 347-989-8904 and just press 1 and Mike who's working our switchboard will get your question and forward you on uh, and he'll also get your name and county or whatever you want to give uh, or you can just log on to our chat room uh, and there's a chat room for this program you have to register with uh, blog talk radio but you can just type in your question and I'll or comment and I'll pass it on to our guest our guest today is um John Gepard, who's a school board attorney uh, in numerous districts with the law firm of uh, Skrinsky and uh, Hollenbeck. Uh, welcome, John. Hi, Ray. How are you? I am good. It's great to have you on for this program. And uh, I know when this decision came down, which uh, I think most of us anticipated, um, uh, it would be something that we would have to address and might be addressing and it might unfold a little differently over the course of the year. Uh, but first of all, let's just do the basic decision here that the U.S. Supreme Court uh, was to uh, strike down the ag- use of agency shop fees. What is agency shop? Sure. Well, as you said, the Janus decision is incredibly important, and we are right at the beginning on how this is going to play out. Uh, just to set the groundwork, agency shop is a critical term here. And simply put, under an agency shop, an employee uh, who decides not to join the union, was still responsible for paying the majority of the union dues for their collective bargaining and other non-political activities. So that that's the sense of it. And Janice, the decision itself from Justice Alito, got into that a little more specifically, saying employees who decline to join the union are not assessed full union dues, but must instead pay what's generally called an agency fee, which amounts to a percentage of the union dues. And they referenced the old case, Abood, which uh, had stood for 41 years and was just overruled by Janice in June. They said under Abood, non-members may be charged for the portion of union dues attributable to activities that are germane to the union's duties as collective bargaining representatives. But non-members may not be required to fund the union's political and ideological projects. So that's where, like, for example, in New Jersey, um, a non-member would be charged an agency shop, which would be 85% of the union's dues, the idea being that that 15% that the union uses for political purposes, they did not have to pay. And as you said, Uh, There are a couple of points I think we should point out from the beginning on the Janus decision uh, that that really get right to the heart of the matter. The Janus court was very clear in ruling that this agency shop arrangement violates the free speech rights of non-members by compelling them to subsidize private speech on matters of substantial public concern. And the court overruled a, a boot in that decision, stating that States and public sector unions may no longer extract agency fees from non-consenting employees. And it went on further to say this procedure violates the First Amendment and cannot continue. 
That's very sweeping, very strong language. Neither an agency fee nor any other payment to the union may be deducted from a non-member's wages unless the employee affirmatively consents to pay. So that's a key phrase there, affirmatively consents. Unless employees clearly and affirmatively consent before any money is taken from them, this standard cannot be met. So in essence, this Janus decision went right to an opt-in requirement as opposed to an opt-out uh, concept. And that's a huge So those difference. are some of the basics there. Yeah, that's a huge uh, difference, opt-in or opt-out in this case. Uh, and I, I think there might be a difference of opinion as to what opt-in and opt-out might be from the union perspective. But let's get to if, – if I'm a union uh, member or maybe an uh, active member, does this uh, uh, – you know, in New Jersey – and we should point out New Jersey was not the only state. To, there was 22 states that had agency shop fees. Um, Correct. And so if I'm uh, – does the district, when they are they still obligated to co- collectively bargain with the union, and does that cover all the? We'll use uh, the teachers union at this point. It, you know, it could be, you know, AFT or NJEA. Uh, do they still are they still co- uh, covered under the collective bargaining agreement? Yes, uh, they definitely are. Um, because even if an employee opts out of the union, they're still covered under the collective bargaining agreement. And we see this coming from a couple points in the law. Uh, the Janus decision did address that, and it said protection of the employee's interest is placed in the hands of the union, and therefore the union is required by law to provide fair representation for all employees in the union, unit, members and non-members alike. And it went on further to say that when you have a union designated as the exclusive representative, uh, that gives the union a privileged place in negotiations over wages, benefits, et cetera, and the employers required to listen to and bargain in good faith with only that union. And it provides another requirement that the union may not negotiate a collective bargaining agreement that discriminates against non-members. And this is also found in our New Jersey state law with the Employer Employee Relations Act. And the citation there for the lawyers, NJSA 34 13A 5.3, that talks about a majority representative and it says um, it shall be entitled to negotiate agreements covering all employees in the union, in the unit, um, and shall be responsible for representing the interest of all such employees without discrimination and without regard to employee organization membership. So it's said in state law and now in the Janus decision that, yes, they would be included. Now, uh, um, so if the union bargains and it's a 2%, 3%, whatever the increase is, that's what the non-union employee gets uh, as well as the health benefits. What about if there's a grievance, uh, um, the non-member um, – wants to file a grievance, does the union, is it still obligated to um, uh, represent them? Yes. Uh, In a broad sense, Janice uh, discussed this issue too, and it raised, Justice Alito raised the question there about what about representing non-members in grievance procedures. And uh, the the answer from the court was that representation of non-members 
furthers the union's interest in keeping control of the administration of the collective bargaining agreement, since the resolution of one employee's grievance can affect the others. And it said uh, serious constitutional questions would arise if the union were not subject to to the duty to represent all employees fairly. So they went on to say uh, unions do not undertake this activity with the grievances solely for the benefit of non-members. Unions have the right to send a representative to such proceedings, even if the employee declines union representation. So the Supreme Court was clear that um, the unions will still have an important role in non-members' grievance procedures. And this, once again, comes up through the New Jersey Employee Employer-Employee mm-hmm. Relations Act, uh, stating that disciplinary review procedures and grievance procedures uh, have to be discussed in the collective bargaining agreement. So is that disciplinary uh, proceedings, too, or just grievance? Yeah, well, the court was clear about the grievances. It addressed that specifically, and it said that um, the unions have to represent the non-members in the grievance procedures. Um, it didn't specifically get into the disciplinary proceeding, uh, but based on the tenor of what it said about grievances and the fact that in New Jersey uh, the Employer-Employee Relations Act imposes that obligation that the disciplinary review procedures have to be discussed in the collective negotiations agreements, and uh, therefore, uh, even the non-members would be included there. So, um, I um, I can see the from the union's perspective, they they might feel the the non-member is getting a lot of the benefit of being a union member, the the, the wage increase and representation. Uh, I I so that's where they would probably argue that's why you have a a shop fee, but. Um, is that correct in saying that they get a lot of the same benefits that a, u- a union member gets? Yes, uh, that's a fair statement that that is part of the situation and is certainly a, a current topic in the discussion out there around the country and in New Jersey as to what impact Janice will have and uh, how it'll, you know a union member who sits there and says, why should I be paying dues? Um, certainly could be a problem for some of the unions there. And I know they, they're addressing it, and certainly the unions and the management in the form of the school boards have some different views on uh, how that will be handled and how things will occur. Now, uh, as you stated earlier, uh, the Janus decision says th- employees have to opt in. Um, what's uh, what's the mechanics of that? Let's start with there, – there's already some uh, – uh, in, in the state that are not members of the union and they pay the agency shop fee. Uh, are they automatically out or do they have to make a statement to uh, to the and who do they and do they make a statement to the union or do they make a statement to the school district or both that they are opting uh, out? Yeah, well, this is an issue that's being played out right now. Uh, The decision just came down June 27th, so everyone is sorting out where things stand. And uh, we can talk in a minute about the state law that was just enacted in May and some of the tension that that statute and the Janus decision are going to have. But once again, uh, for the listeners, the immediate impact uh, coming down here, Janus um, discussed this, and basically – 
the sense here that's coming out is that until employees opt in, agency fee deductions should cease for non-members. And the idea is that employers should provide notice to the employees of the Janus decision. Many of them already have received multiple communications from various sources, and then halt automatic agency fee withdrawals for non-members until further guidance is provided. And the underpinning for that comes out of the Janus opinion. Uh, it stated that under, in that case, it was Illinois law, but it, so they used that as the example. They said under Illinois law, public employees are forced to subsidize a union even if they choose not to join and strongly object to the positions the union takes in collective bargaining and related activities. We conclude that this arrangement violates the free speech rights of non-members by compelling them to subsidize private speech on matters of substantial public concern. Then the court went on to say that um, states and public sector unions may no longer extract agency fees from non-consenting employees. So that is as sweeping and as clear a Mm -hmm. statement as the Supreme Court could give. And uh, they talked about under Illinois law, no form of employee consent was required. And Alito wrote, this procedure violates the First Amendment and cannot continue. Neither an agency fee uh, nor any other payment to the union may be deducted from a non-member's wages unless the employee affirmatively consents to pay. And by agreeing to pay, non-members are waiving their First Amendment rights, and such a waiver can't be presumed. To be effective, this waiver must be freely given and shown by clear and compelling evidence. Unless employees clearly and affirmatively consent before any money is taken from them, this standard cannot be met. So that's very clear language Mm. and certainly throws down the gauntlet there that the court has said that this process is unconstitutional, it violates the First Amendment, and it cannot continue, and um, that, that the intent has to be freely given and clearly given by the employee. So that's what leads us uh, to a position, certainly from the school board's perspective, that until employees opt in, agency fee deductions should cease for non-members. So there should be notice given to these uh, agency fee individuals, and they should be given a clear opportunity to state uh, their preference. But it's illegal and unconstitutional for the public employers to continue to collect that money uh, based on Janus. Now, uh, we can in a couple minutes talk about the New Jersey statute and uh, some of the restrictions that were put in place there and can be problematic for uh, public employers in light of the Janus decision. Yeah, and, and that actually leads right into it. But before I ask, get into the state law. So pretty much, and most districts know the the, the or the administration knows the non-members who are paying the agency shop fee. So they should be reach, they should have reached out to those districts, those employees, uh, relatively quickly. Um, now, yes, that's correct. Before Janice was this was decided, and I think in in, in anticipation of the ruling, which I, I think. Most people, were observers, were not surprised by. New Jersey passed something called the Workplace Democracy Enhancement Act, um, and I would say we have great creative writing in our legislative uh, laws. Um, so this was an anticipation, and it kind of set a framework for people um, opting in or out of a, a union. 
they put there's a use of an anniversary date. They have to give notice. Uh, but that's really about opting out. And um, the Supreme Court ruling that you dis- discussed is more about opting in. So is there a – do these things kind of mesh? Is there going to be an issue here? Well, there certainly is an issue, and I'm sure uh, the NJEA has a view on this. And I know some of this is being played out uh, right now in New Jersey in different forms, and we can talk about that in a minute. Um, To put things in perspective, when the New Jersey statute was enacted uh, and signed in May, there had been many hints coming from the United States Supreme Court over the years that the Abood decision was in danger. And three of the cases, specifically Hudson, Knox, and Harris, had been coming down for a couple of years. And the, the court, and many of them written, were written by Justice Alito, who wrote the Janus decision eventually, kept dropping hints in there that uh, Abood is questionable, that it may not um, uh, survive, basically. And, uh, for example, in the Hudson case, they talked about a procedure there, which led to the decision that a notice had to be given to the employee about um, the agency fee, and they had the opportunity to uh, complain about it. Then the Knox court decision came down. That's the one where the opt-in procedure really came through, because Alito wrote in there that um, the union should have sent out a new notice allowing non-members to opt in to a special fee there, rather than requiring them to opt out. So that's what sort of laid the foundwork for the opt-in uh, concept, which then the Janus decision confirmed. And um, the, the Harris decision also was one where they did not extend Abood and the agency shop to uh, personal care providers. So we had all that that had come down uh, prior to the Janus decision. And while the Janus decision was pending, the New Jersey legislature and the governor uh, looked into creating a law, which they did, the Workplace Democracy Enhancement Act. And for our attorneys out there, the citation's NJSA 34-13A-5.11 at SEC. And in that situation, uh, the governor, even in the press report, stated at the time back in May that since they did not have the Janus decision at that point, there may be some problems with this statute. They may have to work with the legislature to amend it or to make some changes. So I would suggest that that's what's occurring right now uh, between the governor and the legislature to review the Janus decision and see where some problems exist. And if we could just take a second to look through that statute, (coughs) excuse me, um, there are certain points that are problematic. For example, there's the section that was enacted talking about revoking um, the membership, and it states employees who have authorized the payroll deductions of fees to employee organizations may revoke such authorization by providing written notice to their public employer during the 10 days following each anniversary date of their employment. So this New Jersey statute gives a snapshot picture that limits a New Jersey employee's right to revoke their authorization for these fees uh, to 10 days following their anniversary date. So one, that creates a little bit of a nightmare 
uh, from a bookkeeping perspective to keep mm-hmm. track of each person's anniversary date. And then, two, the 10-day period seems very, very short in light of Justice Alito's sweeping language in Janus saying that it's unconstitutional, it violates the First Amendment, and it cannot continue, it must end immediately, and that an opt-in basis is the way that it should occur. So I see that as being one area that's going to, at some point, uh, be dealt with in the courts, uh, and perhaps maybe dealt with by an amendment to the New Jersey statute even before then. Uh, A second point under the statute that's a problem as well is the one about automatically including employees. uh, The section there, section 5.15, states that all full-time and part-time employees who perform negotiation unit work shall be included in the negotiations unit. And then there's a second section there saying that employees who previously did not meet threshold of hours uh, or percentage of time work requirements shall be included within 90 calendar days of the statute, which is now going to take effect in mid-August. So that also seems to directly contradict the language in the ruling of Janus, uh, where it says here that these people um, automatically are included as uh, union members um, and with the fees, where Janice has said that that's not permissible. So obviously uh, there's going to be a collision between these two concepts, and it will have to either be worked out through court decisions, uh, and someone would be the first case to come forward, or uh, it will be worked out through legislative amendments. Uh, But it certainly has everyone's attention and is very important at this time. Uh, before I follow up uh, with a question, uh, if anyone wants to ask a question, they can, uh, as I said before, uh, dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four and press one, and Mike will uh, forward your uh, call on to me. Or you could just type it in the, in the chat room, uh, and I'll pass it on to John Geppert. Uh, we're talking with John Geppert, a uh, school board attorney. Uh, John, I just wanted to clarify because the workplace uh, – and there, was, there are other provisions in the Workplace uh, Democracy Enhancement Act uh, that gives the unions access to staff members' uh, uh, contact information and other information. Now, we should also say this is not just for education. This will apply to all public employees, whether they're police, municipal employees, county employees. So uh, that – where you talked about the anniversary date, it's probably more of a problem for some other entities where people – a lot of ours come on over the summer, uh, and their anniversary dates are pretty close together. Uh, but in other entities, this administrative uh, anniversary date could be pretty problematic. Uh, if you have people coming out all times of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, so there are all sorts of practical problems as well as the legal issues that, you know, have been raised. And certainly um, everybody is working their way through it at this point. As I said, I'm sure school districts as well as other public employers are evaluating what they should do. I'm sure the unions, the NJEA, and other associations have uh, another view And actually, there are several things going on around the country uh, that might be of interest, too, if we have a minute to discuss that. Yeah, and one of them I was going to bring up because uh, I was – if you go by this anniversary date and you try to – you follow that statute and you don't let the person 
which seems to be against the spirit of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruling was more focused on opting in than any provisions for opting out. Uh, but mm-hmm. if someone says, I missed my date, I didn't realize it was August 31st, I thought it was September 30th, and I want to refund on my uh, – uh, I want to opt out, uh, they may challenge that uh, the, the sure. state law. Yeah, that's so, that minimal 10-day uh, requirement there. I mean, technically, if uh, they opt out uh, later, there may be some kind of challenge from an association. But um, the suggestion and the direction from Janus is that it is illegal and it cannot continue. And based upon the Janus decision, uh, the employee would look to say that I went out now. And uh, certainly the, the tenor of Alito's decision is that notice should be given to the employee and the employee should opt in if dues are supposed to be deducted. And uh, a public entity could run a risk here, too, uh, in the basis of failing to cease the deductions. Uh, There are matters going on around the country, out in Oregon and California, where employees are not only uh, filing lawsuits and fighting about opting out of the process, some of the employees, for example, in California have lawsuits pending where they are asking to be reimbursed for past deductions, saying that if uh, the court says it's unconstitutional, it was improper, then it was improper back then. So you have all these this litigation that is fermenting and just being filed now uh, that we don't have the f- decisions and the guidance yet, but those are all coming attractions uh, that everybody, you know, will want to keep their eyes on as we go forward down the road. Should and just school one district. final thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Ray, I don't know if I answered your question there with the Workplace Democracy Act. There are other sections uh, that don't come right w- within the crosshairs of the Janus decision, such as access. I mean, uh the, the statute does give the union additional rights to access, talking about the right to meet with employees on the school's premises during the workday, the right to conduct worksite meetings uh, at orientations and during lunch and other kinds, and that they have a specific right to meet newly hired employees for 30 to 120 minutes within the first four months of their working there. So the statute also does put in other additional rights to strengthen the union's uh, activity. Um, And while we're just surmising as to what future litigation might occur, this seems to be an area that doesn't quite fall into the Janus prohibition as much as the automatic inclusion of the employees and the very limited 10-day revocation period. But just staying on that, uh, you may have had in previous contracts with the union uh, a framework for when the union could do their activities um, uh, and recruit people and have meetings and that type of thing. Uh, Does that – I mean, so does that – which supersedes what, your contract or the state law? I would assume the state law is the one that you have to abide to now. Well, I I mean – the. The United States Supreme Court uh, law would trump everything. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the final resort, and the, the federal supremacy of, uh, you know, of their law there is the key point. You also have other layers of problems because you have the New Jersey statute that's just been enacted 
But there's a possibility that someone will file a lawsuit, and then a judge will have to determine if Janus and the federal law, uh, the First Amendment constitutional law, um, invalidates this New Jersey statute. So that's one thing. Then you have the collective bargaining agreements that still exist. And just to look at the the whole landscape there, um, the collective bargaining agreements are still in place. The union's activity is still in place. Uh, the only thing that Janice would say is unenforceable now would be the representation fees or agency uh, shop fees dealing with these non-members. So that's the part that I would suggest to, if it gets to a court, uh, the court would look to invalidate. But all the other union activities <clears throat> and the important things that they do um, you know, would continue. They are, would not be affected by this decision. And I guess we should also say that if you're under a contract right now, uh, outside of the agency fee, shop fee, there's probably everything else is uh, it hasn't affected anything else in that contract. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I don't want to speak too broadly, but it's really the agency fee provision that would be found to be unenforceable under Janus. Uh, I would suggest if things move forward to court and everything else sort of is in place. You know, as we said, the 10-day revocation thing is uh, problematic. Janice might knock that out. The automatic inclusion is an issue that's hotly debated. I'm aware that the county colleges in New Jersey are fighting about that issue right now, uh, particularly the Ocean County College and the lecturer position. They're involved in PERC right now, uh, swinging away on this issue. So um, as, as we say, it's a very timely topic. We're just at the beginning of the process. Janice threw the gauntlet down, and we have the New Jersey statute that's out there, and what will the impact on that be? Uh, but you have your collective bargaining agreements that continue on, except for the areas you know, that will be found to be unenforceable. Um, so uh, you talked about what a district should be doing now in terms of the the staff members who may uh, already be involved with the agency shopping, should they do anything broadly with all their staff? Should they just uh, notify them, uh, you know, in any sense or let them know the, their anniversary dates? Or are there anything that they might want to do now or September when they open up and everyone comes back? Sure. I think sharing information is appropriate. <clears throat> The Janus decision, certainly the notice of that should be given to the employees. Um, it has to be given to the employees that fall in the agency shop area. They need to um, be dealt with, and the sooner the better, uh, based on the decision there. But everyone should be advised of uh, the change in the law. Now, you have to be careful as a public entity and public employer, because with the New Jersey Employer-Employee Relations Act and the other labor law, uh, you can't be found to be interfering or creating problems mm -hmm. for the unions. So you walk a fine line in that area. Uh, but certainly uh, this information should be shared, and the public entities want to protect themselves by not collecting agency shop fees uh, from non-members where it's uh, not appropriate. And, uh, uh, I, you know, a couple other things. Uh, I, I see, like, for example, a day or two ago, the Wall Street Journal had an article indicating that New York, Pennsylvania, and, employee, and Illinois state governments have stopped collecting agency fees 
Um, and they make reference to lawsuits, the ones out in California. And I guess that involves 30,000 state employees um, about past dues. Um, and one other point I just wanted to make out, I did see a reference out in Oregon that we've had our first settlement, apparently, between an employee and a labor union. Uh, she had filed a lawsuit, Deborah Neerman is her name, filed a lawsuit seeking payback of those obligatory union fees that she had paid in the past. And uh, under the settlement, she's going to be refunded $3,000 that she paid over two years. I guess the reason it didn't go further back was the statute of limitations. But just to give our listeners a a flavor on what's happening out there currently as we speak, um, it does seem that quite a bit of the push is coming from the West Coast, uh, but it's certainly a a topic that's going to get much uh, attention and much discussion in the next couple weeks. So, uh, and probably uh, it'll probably unfold over the course of the entire fall and winter, and we'll probably have a better handle. And I'm not, I'm not even including the state law, which I think they're going to have to, as you said earlier, re- review the legality and how it meshes with the Supreme Court decision. Uh, so this is something that uh, school board members and the administrators should keep, be keeping their eye on because it could change over the course of time. Oh, absolutely. I think with each week that goes by and certainly each month uh, into the fall that we're going to see further developments. So it's important for our practitioners out there and our administrators um, to keep an eye on this. They should talk to their board attorneys. I'm sure the New Jersey School Boards Association will have a big uh, presentation and discussion on this in October as well as things unfold. But um what we discussed today is really what the issue is as of August 8th. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be many unfolding chapters as we go forward. Okay. Uh, any other final uh, remarks as I uh, go to close the program? Well, I just want to thank everybody for listening in. And certainly we're always available if they have any follow-up questions. Uh, but this is something that they need to look at and they need to deal immediately with the agency shop employees that they might have um, who are non-members. And then as time goes on, we'll see how this plays out with all the uh, employees. Okay. I'd like to thank John Geppert for joining us. Uh, He's with Scurrency and Hollenbeck. Thank you, John. Oh, sure. It's always a pleasure, Ray. Okay. uh, Thank you. And I thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy that. And if you have any questions, you can email me, and I'll pass them on. Uh, And that brings us to the end of this program. Thanks, John. No, okay. Have a nice day. You too. Okay, bye. bye.